Welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to give you the Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Impact Wrestling, Friday Night SmackDown, and AEW Rampage. And for this episode included, I will be giving you the results for Survivor Series. I couldn't do Survivor Series since I was out with my uh, family, so you'll be getting it on this uh, episode. And that's going to be starting right now. Survivor Series, I was right on everything except two matches. Uh, the first match I was wrong on was the Intercontinental Champion versus the United States Champion, Shinsuke Nakamura going against Damian Priest. I said Damian Priest would win over Nakamura. That didn't happen. Nakamura beat Damian Priest by disqualification when Damian Priest went outside and broke Rick Boogs' guitar, and he attacked Rick Boogs with the guitar, and then Shinsuke Nakamura hit Damian from behind, and Damian hit Nakamura with a piece of that guitar, the referee saw it, disqualification. And in the main event, Roman Reigns beat Biggie after a hard-fought match between two gladiators. Biggie was able to showcase why he belongs in the main event, not as a secondary act, but no, as a legit true main event talent, especially with this match with the head of the table himself, Roman Reigns. They had win against each other. It was a ferocious match, but in the end, Biggie fell short to the head of the table, Roman Reigns, when Roman hit Biggie from behind in the one of his uh, knees, buckled Biggie and then hit him with a spear, got the three count. I said Biggie would win over Roman because at that time I felt that Biggie needed this win. But after this match, he didn't need the win. He came out stronger and he looked like he truly belonged in the main event. So, hey, that was a uh, great booking on WWE's decision to keep Roman still the undefeated uh, guy. But everything else I was right on. I was right with Becky Lynch beating Charlotte Flair. I was right in Team Raw for men and women beating both Team SmackDown and uh, both the men and women competition. And I was right with uh, RK-Bro beating the Usos. And technically, I was right in Omos beating, well, winning the Battle Royal. I had AJ, and I said, if not AJ, Omos. So technically... I had Omos secondary, but I still won that one in the uh, process. So five out of seven, still a good turnout for me. That's just what it is. Now, on to Monday Night Raw. The biggest highlights to really take away from Raw was that this was the um, Raw after Survivor Series. And the big thing of uh, Raw was who took Vince McMahon's egg. Let me backtrack on you. Survivor Series was uh, co-promoted by The Rock's new movie, Red Notice. And if you ever watched the movie, let me just give you a, a little detail about it. Uh, Rock is going to be helping out a thief, Ryan Reynolds, in the movie, going against a, another thief, uh, Gail Gadot, in the movie. And they're trying to capture some eggs that used to belong to Cleopatra. So Vince McMahon was gifted an egg by the Rock. That was the Vince McMahon's words. Uh, he brought it to Survivor Series, and apparently at Survivor Series, somebody stole the egg. So he told, he mentioned that every Raw and SmackDown uh, roster member at Survivor Series will be at Raw because he was looking for his egg. So fast forward over to Raw. The big overarching story on Raw is who took Vince McMahon's egg. Vince started off on Raw. He said that if anybody knows the whereabouts of the egg or if anybody can bring me the culprit who has that egg, they will be getting a WWE championship opportunity against Big E in the main event. Fast forward to later in the night, Sami Zayn says he knows who has it and he says that he's not here at the arena yet, but once he gets here, I will bring him to you. He brings over Austin Theory. Austin Theory sits down with Vince. Vince asks Austin Theory, why do you do this? Austin said, hey, I just wanted to take a photo with the egg. I didn't mean to steal it. It was too many security, blah, blah, blah. Sami Zayn, he's trying to hear this. He's just playing the uh, Randall, if you've ever seen Recess, uh, with Miss Finster, just constantly being that little snitch. Vince has to shut Sammy up, and Vince tells Austin Theory that he will be getting the WWE Championship opportunity against Big E later in the night because he likes uh, Austin Theory's moxie. And he told Austin that, yeah, he'll be in the championship. Austin took the selfie with Vince with Egg. Austin leads out of the locker room. Vince is now with Sammy. Sammy's complaining. And he said, I thought you said that whoever brings you the corporate who has the egg gets the championship opportunity. Vince tells Sammy, nobody likes a snitch, Sammy. 
so you're not getting the opportunity. So that leads to Sammy getting another opportunity later in the night. But here's what happened on Raw. Uh, Riddle defeated Dolph Ziggler by pinfall after Riddle dressed up like Randy in the match and he hit RKO on Dolph Ziggler. After the match, when Randy and uh, Riddle were celebrating, Robert Roode came in and tried to hit Riddle, but Orton grabbed uh, Robert up and hit him with uh, Riddle's finisher, the bro Derek, to encapsulate uh, this bonding of RK Bro. Uh, we had Becky Lynch going to the ring and cut an in-ring promo about her beating Charlotte Flair. And she ran down her uh, number one contender, Liv Morgan, claiming that she was not going to beat her for the Raw Women's Championship. And later in the night, you will see Liv Morgan in a backstage interview, interviewed about being excited to facing Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship from time from uh, time to be later uh, determined. Becky comes up to Liv. Taunts her some more. Liv can't take it no more, so she just uh, right. I believe she forearms Becky in the face. Becky falls down. So now this is going to set up for Becky and Liv to really go continue on with their little feud. Uh, we had Bianca Belair defeating Tamina by pinfall after hitting her with the KOD. After the match, Bianca was attacked by both Natalia, but Natalia got thrown out of the ring by Bianca. Then Dudra came into the ring and attacked. Bianca and then hit her with a seated crossbody before leaving the ring with both Tamina and Natalia. Uh, we were supposed to have a match with Seth Rollins going against Finn Balor, but that didn't take place because Seth Rollins was doing his in-ring promo, but Finn Balor came out and interrupted. And as Finn was doing his entrance, Seth attacked him from behind. They fought all around the ring. Seth throws him into ring steps. Seth then gets Finn Balor's body from the outside of the ring and throws him into the ring, hits him with not one, but two curb stomps, and then he leaves the ring, so this match never happens. And as Seth is walking up the ramp, a fan comes from out of the out of like nowhere and just spears uh, Rollins, but Rollins has him now in a headlock, and he's waiting for security. You don't see this. You see it for a brief minute, and then they flash over to Finn Balor in the ring uh, holding his head. Because this was not a part of the show. So this let this video be a warning too. Wrestling fans or fans in general, do not hop the guardrail. Do not think that you going against a professional wrestler in their environment is going to be a winning thing for you. It's never ever going to be a winning combination for you. Wrestlers are trained for a reason. Don't think just because hey, yo, they get slammed, they get punched in the face by their opponent and all this stuff that, yo, nah. These wrestlers are legit. Don't think that you won't get hurt, you won't get punched, you won't get kicked, all these type of things. These are professionals. They know what they're doing in the ring. They're trying to make sure they don't hurt each other so much because they got to constantly work with each other. But let's not get it twisted. You're a fan. They're wrestlers. Stay behind the guardrail. Antagonize them. They'll antagonize you. Have a little back and forth banter. That's what wrestling's all about. Have fun with it. But do not, and I repeat, do not jump over that barricade. Do never ever do that because a fan will never ever beat a professional wrestler in their environment. Just want to let that be known. So the fan gets uh, grabbed up by security and they take him out. He was charged with some type of uh, assault and he was released. And they did say he did come out like publicly later in the week saying that uh, he was catfished by a Seth Rollins um profile so i'm not understanding of that but i personally don't care again fans do not jump the guardrail and try to think you're going to attack a professional wrestler and win that you're not um after this we have aj styles and omas going against the street profits and aj and omas defeat the street profits about disqualifications after the street profits sprayed both omas and aj with a fire extinguisher so this is going to continue on the feud between the street profits and aj and omas uh, we had a women's tag team championship match between the tag team champions Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley going against Carmella and Queen Selena. Queen Selena and Carmella are your new women's tag team champions. When they beat them by pinfall, when Carmella hit uh, Nikki with a super kick, and then Queen Selena was able to hit a code red on Nikki to get the win. After this, we had a 24-7 championship match between Cedric Alexander and Reggie. Cedric beat Reggie after hitting him with a lumbar check to win the 24-7 championship. After this, we had wrestlers come down to the ring to try to attack Cedric, but Dana Brooke was able to roll up Cedric Alexander 
for the win. So Dana Brooke is your new 24-7 champion. And this is her first championship that she has held in her whole WWE career. We have Bobby Lashley beating both Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio by submission after locking Dominic Mysterio in the hurt lock. Bobby Lashley dominated uh, the majority of the match. No more to be said. It seems to me that Bobby Lashley is going to be going against Rey Mysterio like later because before the match began, MVP said that Rey is a professional wrestler. He's a talented man. He's a legend in this industry, but as a father, he lacks uh, fatherly skills. He lacks the fatherly uh, nurture skills because he would never ever allow his son to be in the ring with somebody like Bobby Lashley. So we're going to see Lashley going against Rey Mysterio somewhere down the line. After this, we had the United States Championship match. It was a championship open uh, invitation. Damian Priest had a challenge laid out, and Sami Zayn answered the challenge. And they had a good back and forth uh, match, but Damian Priest did beat Sami after. Sami taunted Damian, holding the United States Championship and like pie-mushing Damian in the face. And this made Damian flip the switch. And this had Damian turn into his bad uh, alternate uh, personality and just start attacking Sami Zayn and hits him with a choke slam south side of heaven and then hit him with the reckoning to win the match. Now it's time for the main event, WWE Championship uh, match. Big E going against Austin Theory. Uh, as the match was happening, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens came out to watch the match. Austin Theory almost won the match. Almost. Because um, he hit a rolling uh, neck breaker on Big E and he was going to do some type of maneuver, but Kevin Owens threw Seth Rollins into the ring because Seth tripped Biggie, which allowed Austin Theory to hit that neck breaker. So when Kevin Owens threw Seth Rollins into the ring, Seth Rollins quickly got out of the ring and just started yelling at Kevin, asking him, what is he doing? And then you get those two bickering. Austin Theory paid attention to that. And then when he turned around, Biggie was up, catching him with the big ending. One, two, three. After the match, Biggie went and ran outside, attacked Seth Rollins from behind, and start attacking both Seth and Kevin Owens. He threw Kevin Owens into the ring. Kevin Owens got in the ring and he sees Big E coming. He quickly rolls out of the ring and Big E's now shouting at Kevin Owens. And as he's doing this, Seth Rollins tries to think he's going to get the upper hand on Big E and jump from behind. But no, Big E catches him in midair and grabs him and hits him with the big ending. And that's how we end with Raw. Seth Rollins on the ground holding his stomach in pain as Biggie's holding the WWE Championship, mouthing off to Kevin Owens on the entrance ramp. Now on to NXT. NXT, this episode is basically the, uh, it's the build-up episode for next week's pay-per-view of War Games. And we found out the teams for War Games, both teams for both the men's War Games and the women's War Games. The first match of the night was Grayson Waller going against Tommaso Ciampa, Tommaso beat Grayson Waller by pitfall when he hits the Widow's Bell on um, Waller and won the match. This was a solid one-on-one match between Waller and Tommaso Ciampa. Grayson Waller proved that he actually can hang with Tommaso in the match. I thought that Tommaso was going to easily wipe the floor with Grayson Waller, but that didn't happen. So Waller was able to prove what he can do, and I'm glad he can. So this makes it... So this makes it a great reason of why he's added two war games, which we find out later in the night or in the main event. After this, we had a backstage promo with LA Knight, and he's talking about how Waller proved how he's not uh, in the league of Tommaso Ciampa or in the league of the old school NXT guys, and he's interrupted by Joe Gacy. This turns into them having a match later on tonight, and that's it. After this, we get an in-ring promo from Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is still... uh, Still in disbelief that some of his hair got cut off by Duke Hudson. He calls Duke Hudson out. Duke Hudson doesn't come out. He has his video up. He pops up on a video up on the Titans Tron. Grimes and Hudson have some mouthing off words to words. Grimes challenged Duke Hudson to a match at War Games. And he raises the stake. It will be a hair versus hair match at War Games. Duke Hudson agrees. So Cameron Grimes goes against Duke Hudson at War Games. Hair versus hair. After this, we get a tag team match of Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter going against Indy Hartwell and her partner, Persia. Casey and Kaden win the match by pinfall uh, because Indy was too 
worried about her husband, so her head wasn't in the match so much. And once she got beat by a tag team finish of Caden uh, putting Casey on her shoulders, and then they were on the turnbuckles, and then they jumped off. So Casey jumped off of Caden's uh, shoulders and splashed into Indy Hartwell. After this, we had uh, Santos Escobar going against Malik Blade, and Santos beat Malik Blade. There's no more to say this. Santos, well, this was an enhancement match for Santos Escobar to let people know that Santos is back at NXT. After this, Legado del Fantasma members Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza start staking claims to be the next in line for the NXT Tag Team Championships until Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly comes out and interrupt and say that they want a shot at the Tag Team titles. And now you got O'Reilly and Wagner having mouthing off with Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde until Imperium shows up and they're on a stage elevated up in the sky. And they tell both of them that, hey, you two figure that out. You two teams figure that out amongst yourselves because we'll defend this championship against either team at War Games. So it was announced next week on NXT, the episode before War Games, that Von Wagner and Colorado will go against uh, Legado del Fantasma. And the winner of that match will get a shot at uh, Imperium for War Games. Well, at War Games for the NXT Tag Team Championships. After this, we have Cora Jade going against Mandy Rose. And Cora Jade beats Mandy Rose by pinfall whenever Kaylee Ray comes out with a baseball bat. And she starts distracting Mandy Rose by hitting the steel, uh, steel post. And then starts hitting the timekeeper's bell and laptop over there. So this allows Cora Jade to go over to Mandy and roll her up for the win. And we get a backstage uh, vignette, no, not a vignette, a backstage segment of Cora Jade with Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Zoe Starks. Kaylee Ray walks up on them and says that she wants in on War Games, and they agree. So now we have the official women's team for War Games, and the official women's matchup for War Games will be, as I said last week, it would be Toxic Attraction teaming up with Dakota Kai going against... Uh, Cora Jade, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray. After this, we get Ivy Now going against a enhancement talent uh, female, and Ivy Now beats her by submission. And before the match begins, we had Joe Gacy was supposed to go against LA Knight, but that match doesn't happen because Grayson Waller attacks LA Knight, and you see LA Knight and Grayson Waller fight all around the backstage area of NXT. So Joe Gacy's in the ring by himself. He has a microphone in his hands and he's talking some uh, inclusion nonsense until Diamond Mine comes out and Michael Bivens is having a beef with Joe Gacy. And Joe Gacy says that he wants a shot at Roderick Strong's Cruiserweight Championship match, Cruiserweight Championship. Michael Bivens tells him that he's not 205 pounds. Joe Gacy says, see, that's the problem with that championship belt, that championship excludes people. It doesn't include everybody. Roderick Strong tells Joe Gacy that, listen, I'll fight you. I'll do it. Fine. I'll wave off the weight limit. And he tells Michael Billman's to make the contract. And it does get announced later in the night that at War Games, it is official. Roderick Strong will go against Joe Gacy at War Games for the Cruiserweight Championship. So this Cruiserweight title is giving me the feeling that it's going to be like the exhibition title, like an early... I'll give it 2014-ish, 2015, when Abyss won it from Brian Kendrick in TNA. And Abyss was a 300-and-some-odd-pound man, while Brian Kendrick was a 100-and-some-odd, like 175-pound guy. And the Exhibition Championship, it was all about no weight limits. It was all about you being able to do athletic moves. Abyss wasn't a like athletic guy, so he was just a big guy like a cane, if you will. So. This is what this Cruiserweight title is going to give me with this match with Joe Gacy and Roderick Strong. 2014-2015 X-Division whenever Abyss won it. And you know what? Joe Gacy is athletic, so I'll give him that. So I can't wait to see Joe Gacy going against Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight Championship. Either way, I digress. After this, we had a tag team match of uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs going against the Grizzly Young Veterans. Brooks and Jensen beat the Grizzly Young Veterans by pinfall. Now it's time for the main event for the North American Championship, a triple threat match. 
Carmelo Hayes going against Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne. Carmelo retains his NXT North American Championship by pinfall due to Tony D'Angelo coming out and costing Pete Dunne uh, the championship pinfall whenever Pete Dunne was about to pin um, Johnny Gargano because he hit him with the bitter end. He pinned him. Tony D'Angelo comes out, pulled Pete Dunne out of the ring. So now you got Tony D'Angelo fighting Pete Dunne. This allows Carmelo Hayes to go to the top rope, hits his jumping uh, leg drop to the behind the head of Johnny Gargano, cover him for the win. After this, now you got Tony D'Angelo, uh, Trick Williams, and Carmelo Hayes beating up on Pete Dunne. Then you get um, L.A. Knight and Grayson Waller pulling up from behind the stage. They're fighting into the ring, and now you get Waller, Tony D'Angelo, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams uh, fighting all against L.A. Knight, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. And this all happens until Tommaso Ciampa comes out with a steel chair and evens the match up. He starts attacking uh, Trick Williams. He attacks uh, Grayson Waller, Carmelo Hayes. He attacks all the other guys except for L.A. Knight, uh, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. He sends them out of the ring. And now in the ring is left Gargano, Dunne, L.A. Knight, Ciampa. Outside the ring, uh, Waller, Tony D'Angelo, Carmelo Hayes, standing while Trick Williams is on the ground and they're just having a face-off between the old school NXT and the new school NXT until Braun Breaker's music hits. He comes out of the entrance and he has a microphone in his hands and he stands with Carmelo and company and he says on the microphone war games so it has now been officially confirmed new school versus old school in the main event of war games the team of Carmelo Hayes Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo going against Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and L.A. Knight. I said it was going to be old school versus new school. The way they were booking this, this was not hard to follow. So we got one more match. Uh, we got one more episode until NXT War Games next Sunday. And next week, we will have two uh, ladder matches, one for the women and one for the men. And for the women, it will be Kaylee Ray going against Dakota Kai. And the winner of that match will get the advantage for their team on War Games. And they're going to have a men's version of a ladder match. And we don't know who's going to be in that match. And the winner of that match will get the advantage for their men's team at War Games. And that was NXT. Now on to AEW. AEW starts out with CM Punk going against QT Marshall. But before QT Marshall comes out, you have CM Punk come out to a Chicago crowd. They're embracing him. They're loving CM Punk as Chicago does. And then you get MJF come out. And now you know what's about to go down. MJF has a microphone in his hand. He gets in the ring. And CM Punk and MJF have a great promo battle. It lasted a solid mm, 18 minutes. And the whole full thing's on YouTube. I was only able to get a couple of quick, like, quick jabs that CM Punk and MJF was able to throw at each other. And I'm about to play it for you. The first clip will be of MJF talking to Punk, and the second clip will be of Punk retorting to MJF. And without further ado, here's the clip. I respect you, man. I respect everything you've done. Hell, I even respect the fact that you're straight edge. Granted... Never in my wildest dreams could I have possibly imagined a straight-edge man could look so much like a meth addict. You didn't want to go toe-to-toe with me on the stick, punk? Well, too bad. Because I'm about to verbally finish you quicker than your UFC career. And I had no idea your first name was Maxwell this entire time. I thought MJF stood for my jealous fan. See, I got the time. Look at me, Maxwell. I'm in your head. Probably has a lot to do with the fact that there's a poster of me on your wall. Doesn't change the fact that I'm disappointed. And you had seven days. You had a whole week to think of good zingers and you came out here with the lowest hanging fruit. He thinks he's somebody. He thinks what he does is revolutionary to the wrestling business when in reality, he's just a less famous Miz. Now again, 
I was only able to get those quick ones because I don't know how long I could actually play that whole promo battle out. But, by God, I was really, really encourage you to listen to that. Go to YouTube and watch that 18 minutes. Trust me, you'll be thoroughly entertained, especially if you do love professional wrestling. Shoot, even if you don't, just hear these two men just verbally assault each other on the mic and you will be begging and chomping at the bitch just to see these two really fight each other. And that's the point of this promo of MGF going against CM Punk. We have been waiting for these two legitimately just to go against each other on the mic, and we got it, especially in Chicago, which we all know Chicago will be a crowd pro CM Punk. But even in Chicago, some of the Chicago fans were actually able to have a gasp and actually like laugh at some of the MGF jabs towards CM Punk. Um, what I didn't grab in that jab was how MJF told CM Punk that he's gone soft. He says that he's gone PG. As a matter of fact, he just as might as well come out here and preach about hustle, loyalty, and respect. And that's all the John Cena three-letter, uh, three-word motto. And when he said that, that's the little oh that the Chicago crowd even gave for CM Punk. And that gave... MJF some credibility to even stand on the mic and go toe-to-toe with CM Punk. But deep down aside, MJF told Punk, point up, straight up, listen, I was a fan. And right now, you coming to see AEW right now, your whole run hasn't been what it's supposed to be. Not at all. He then said how CM Punk's whole career, he's always been second best, whether it was to the hustle, loyalty, respect guy or the king of kings. Play on words to Triple H. CM Punk is basically number two. And he told CM Punk that, hey, I am everything that you hate in this business. I was born for this while you had to work and struggle for this. And you only been second best while I am top dog. CM Punk verbally got on the mic and crushed MJF. And he told him point blank, yo, listen, I am who I am. You're right. Some of those things that you said, it's true. But here's the deal. I was selling out Madison Square Garden when you were out there going crazy for Rosie O'Donnell. I'm a guy that you were a fan of. And he told MJF Point Blank that you, the only way you'll be number one is if Tony Khan gets a daughter and then you'll have to marry her. Playing on to Triple H again marrying Stephanie. He also told MJF the reason why he never mentioned MJF's name in press conferences or media scrams, which basically this whole rivalry is basically boiled down to. He didn't want to give MJF any credibility. He didn't want to give him any type of clout because that would have made MJF's head bigger than what it already is. He said the reason why he came to AEW and fought the heart and soul of Darby Allen was because Darby Allen is the heart and soul and MJF isn't. He needs his backup to do the dirty work for him. He only talks, and he talks way too much, and he can't, still to this day, Punk still grad at him by saying, you still can't technically do it on your own in the ring. And he really got MJF goat when he said that. You said that you're part of the four pillars. You're the strongest of the four pillars. He told MJF, dude, you don't even know that you've been replaced by Britt Baker. So now... MGF just shot a look over to CM Punk as now as the fans are all chanting DMD, which is Britt Baker's whole little chant for her since she is a dentist. But I will really encourage you to listen to that whole promo. Again, you will be thoroughly entertaining. You will be wanting these two to fight. In the end, these two were close to fighting. CM Punk took off his jacket because he was uh, ready for ring gear anyway. He was ready to wrestle. MGF took off his suit jacket, but then he rolled out of the ring, grabbed his suit jacket, and then walked to the back. Now it's down to CM Punk going as QT Marshall. CM Punk defeated QT Marshall after hitting him with a GTS. It was a solid match. There's no more that you can really like clown, not even clown, but like say about it. It was it was simple. Um, after this, we go to a backstage video of Eddie Kingston's eating backstage, and he questions why they're there and he says apparently you guys want me to say something so he starts shouting out John Moxley he says uh he loves his boy John Moxley he wish him his wife and his daughter a happy holiday and as soon as he says this he's interrupted by 2.0 and Daniel Garcia 2.0 saying that 
Kingston isn't as hungry as he used to be and that they're here to help him. And they, one of the members of 2.0 said that the reason why Eddie Kingston feels this way is because you couldn't help your friend Moxley. And then Kingston gets up because Kingston really does love Moxley like a brother. And he looks at one of them in the face and said, what do you say? Daniel Garcia takes this time to grab Kingston's cup of coffee and throw it in his face. So now Kingston wants to really, like, really destroy both uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. And he'll get his chance on Rampage whenever he fights uh, Daniel Garcia. After this, now it's in-ring competition. The Gun Club, which consists of Billy Gunn and his son Colton Gunn, with their, uh, in their corner, Austin Gunn, going against Bear Country. The Gun Club win the match when Colton hits the Colt 45 on Bear. Bear Bronson to get the win. After the match, Darby Allen's music hits and Sting comes out and he's on the ramp stage and he does his whole howling. Austin Gunn gets out of the ring and he runs up the ramp to try to charge up to Sting. But out of the entrance ramp, you see Darby Allen like completely just high speed, just jolts and jumps and pops Austin right in the face. And I mean, that was a strong pop. And Austin hits a flip, and he's now laid out on the stage. You get Sting and Darby Allen now walking towards the ring, and in the ring is Billy Gunn and Colton Gunn. Once Sting and Darby gets in the ring, Billy and Colton walk out of the ring, and they walk up the ramp. So this is continuing the feud of Darby Allen and Sting going against the Gun Club. After this, we get Bobby Fish and Adam Cole in the backstage area. Cole's upset that Bobby Fish and him lost last week on Rampage, and they said how they're best friends, and then we get the best friends walking and interrupting this. Uh, Chuck, Orange Cassidy, and Yuta, which leads to Adam Cole and Bobby Fish challenging both Orange Cassidy and Yuta to a tag team match, which you would get on AEW Rampage. After this, we go to another segment, and it's Team Taz on one side of a table, and on the other side of the table is Leah Rush and Dante Martin, and they're there for Dante Martin to make his decision. Is he going to join Team Taz or is he going to join and stay with Leo Rush? Dante Martin makes the decision and he now is affiliated with Team Taz. Leo Rush is confused by this and Dante doesn't say nothing, nothing to Leo. He just looks at him. He signs the contract and then he walks out with Team Taz. So Team Taz now has another member in their unit and I can't wait for it because personally, I like the addition of Dante Martin in uh, Team Taz. Why not? Everybody's getting like big stables. Team Taz has always been like on the downwards, uh, downward side compared to everybody else. And that just doesn't fit right to me. So now Team Taz has really built it into something. So I can't wait to see what Team Taz actually does now with this new addition of Dante Martin on their side. And I still can't wait for Hook to actually debut on AEW. He still hasn't yet. So that's one I'm literally looking forward to. After this week, their TNT Championship uh, tournament matchup between Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hayter. Thunder Rosa beats Jamie Hayter by pinfall after uh, distraction from Rebel. Rebel's in the ring. She's distracting the referee. Jamie Hayter has Thunder Rosa up, and Britt Baker comes in the ring, and she super kicks uh, Thunder Rosa, but Thunder Rosa moves out of the way, and Britt Baker accidentally hits Jamie Hayter. This allows Rosa to throw Britt Baker into Rebel, who's on the ring apron, distracting the referee. And now Thunder Rosa rolls up Hater for the win. So now Thunder Rosa advances in the tournament, and she will be facing Jay Cargill in the semifinals of the tournament. After this, we go backstage to Chris Jericho in the backstage. Uh, the interview asks him what's next. 2.0 and Daniel Garcia interrupts Chris Jericho. And they're all happy about throwing coffee in Eddie Kingston's face. Chris Jericho has to tell them that, hey, yo, you guys are idiots for doing that, that they need to be careful because Eddie Kingston is going to come down and, like, really beat them up. And so this is more than likely we'll probably have Jericho teaming up with Eddie Kingston going against 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. I don't know what's up with the inner circle thing right now. I want Santana and Ortiz to do their tag team thing, go out to the tag team belts. Their, AEW is really, really, like, I don't know what you're doing. Have Ortiz and Santana go after the Lucha Brothers. I hope after this FTR business is done with, give Ortiz and Santana those AEW Tag Team Championship matches that they have obviously deserved after so many, after being in AEW for, since the beginning 
of AEW or after like once they hit like prime time, their first episode, they were already made a big deal. And right now you still haven't given them a championship like matchup matchup. The only matchup that they had was against the Young Bucks. And that was last year in 2020, whenever everything was like shut down and there were no fans. Give them a match in front of fans for the tag team titles. Thank you. Um, we get a matchup with Brian Danielson going against Cole Cabana. Brian Danielson beats Cole Cabana by submission. Whenever he grabs uh, Colt's two arms and starts stomping on him in the face. And then he locks him in for the LaBelle lock and Cole Cabana taps out. When Brian Danielson stomps Cole Cabana in the face, he happens to knock out one of Cole Cabana's tooth in the process. So after the match, Tony Giovanni comes down to the ring and he's interviewing Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson talks about how he's here to kick Dark Order heads in, and he talked about how he also knocked out Cocobana's teeth in the process. This leads to Adam Page coming out, and he's in ring gear now. He said that he was willing to fight Brian Danielson here tonight for the AEW Championship. Brian Danielson says, of course you would. I just got done with a match. How dare you pick a fight with me right now? Adam Page said, you know what? Fine. I'll have a match right now, and then we'll have our match after that. Fair? Brian Danielson says, nope. I'm not doing it. We're not going to do that. We're going to do it on my time. So then they now are getting to a scrap between Hangman and Brian Danielson because Hangman can't wait no more. And this is now just getting in uh, Danielson and Hangman just throwing fist and fist until Brian Danielson throws Hangman outside of the ring. But Hangman catches himself and he stands on the ring apron. He kicks Brian Danielson in the face. And now he sets him up for the butt shot lariat. He flips in, and he's about to hit uh, Danielson with the clothesline, but Danielson close, uh, rolls out of the ring and saves himself for another day, and he starts walking up the ramp. Uh, after this, we get down time for the main event. Malachi Black, Andrade El Idolo, and FTR with Tully Blanchard in their corner going against Cody Rhodes and Death Triangle, which consists of Pac and the AEW Tag Team Champions, Penta El Zero Mero, and Ray Phoenix, the team of Malachi Black, Andrade El Idolo, and FTR win the match by pinfall. This happens when Pac is uh, misted by Malachi Black, and this allowed Andrade El Idolo to hit Pac with the Hammerlock DDT for the win. This was a fun eight-man tag team match. Um, there was one spot in the match where Cody took off his weight belt, and he usually does this in every match that he has. He usually takes off the weight belt, throw it out into the crowd, and that's how he gets fan engagement. He does that this time, and the fans throw the belt right back into the ring. So now you got Cody looking all uh, like confused about this, and you get Andrade grabbing the belt. He puts the belt underneath the ring apron. Somehow Cody grabs it again, and he throws it out to the ring Throws it out to the crowd again, and this time it doesn't come back to the ring. Apparently a fan keeps it this time. So this shows you that Cody is really hated. Cody is hated. They don't know what to do with Cody. Cody just needs to turn heel. Ayo, dog. We get it. You want to be a stay good guy face. You can. You can do the John Cena thing. Hey, John Cena made a whole career out of that legitimately because of the whole Make-A-Wish Foundation. And You might be doing Make-A-Wishes, Cody. You might be. But if you're not, just go ahead and turn heel. Just do it to appease not just yourself, because I know probably you might want to do it. But just appease the fans to make them give them something they really want to just boo you about. Just boo the devil out of you. Not just because you're constantly playing the good guy, John Cena deal. We've seen that already. John Cena pulled it off to perfection, being the good Boy Scout. Cody, you ain't the good Boy Scout, son. We've seen you. You ain't that. So, Cody, hurry up and turn uh, heel. Please do that, because with that, it'll be much more interesting, and I would like to see the type of story that Cody could have. Or if not, have Arn Anderson really give Cody some mad tough love, and we'll start seeing Cody become a real, like, rugged, tough guy. Something of the nature. Something has to happen. This whole Cody being the shiny face, uh, shiny, smiley guy on television, nah, we've seen John Cena do it, dog. We've seen that once, and uh, that's a day for that. 
And now that was the end of AEW Dynamite. And now let's talk about Impact Wrestling for a minute. Impact Wrestling this week was um, basically what I would like to call a filler episode because they went back to a old skit that they did last year during the pandemic time and they did Russell House. Russell House was kind of like big brother for Impact Wrestling, but with wrestling matches. I didn't watch the episode because it didn't really advance any of the storylines. So there is no Impact Wrestling like results from me, but I will give you results from their pay-per-view that they had last Saturday. And that was Turning Point. Um, Chris Saban did defeat Ace Austin by pinfall. Violence by Design members Eric Young and Joe Doring did defeat Heath Slater and Rhino by pinfall. Rich Swan was supposed to go against Brian Myers, but Brian Myers was sick and he got pulled out. So VSK had to take his spot. So Rich Swan with Willie Mack in his corner defeated VSK with Ziggy Dice in his corner by pinfall. W. Morrissey defeated Matt Cardona by pinfall. The Inspiration retained their Knockouts Tag Team Championships against Decay by pinfall. Trey Miguel retained his X Division Championship when he defeated the Rido Kid and Steve Macklin by pinfall. Mickey James retained her Impact Knockouts Championship by pinfall. Uh, the Good Brothers def- defeated Bullet Club and retained their Impact World Tag Team Championships. And in the main event, Moose retained his Impact World Championship going against Eddie Edwards in Full Metal Mayhem by pinfall. And that was your Impact Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to SmackDown. Samantha opens up with Kayla Braxton in the ring, and she's about to talk about Brock Lesnar's situation and the rumors surrounding Brock Lesnar until Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman walks into the ring. Paul dresses down Kayla talking about the rumors about Brock Lesnar, saying that she doesn't know if the rumors about Brock Lesnar are true or not. She needs to confirm it as a journalist because the rumors are that Brock Lesnar suspension might be up it might not be up she's just speculating so Paul tells her that whenever you find out about the rumors whether you can confirm or deny it that's whenever you come back to me or Roman Reigns and you will let us know about the rumors but until then you will leave the ring and Paul has Kayla leave the ring Roman Reigns then asks for the microphone Roman tells Paul that you know what I hate about rumors It gives losers false hope. He says everybody around him is a loser because he has beaten everybody on SmackDown. Roman calls Brock Lesnar the biggest losers and Roman says he doesn't care about the rumors. Roman says that it's embarrassing how management right now has to find and scrape just for people to even face Roman Reigns. And Reigns is talking about how tonight in the main event of SmackDown, they will be having a battle royale to see who will be facing him next for the Universal Championship. Roman says it doesn't matter how who wins. He said you can have two, three, four guys win the battle royal tonight. Guess what? I'll smash them and I will destroy them all. Roman then goes down his list of nicknames, calling himself the uh, head of the table, the longest reigning universal champion, the GOAT. He finishes off his tirade by talking about when the time is all said and done. And he also says, which might be sooner than later, which gives off more rumors and speculation that Roman might be retiring soon, that when it's all said and done, you all will then acknowledge me. And then he leaves the ring. I don't see Roman, like, retiring yet. I'll give him another two or three years, and then I'll see him, like, dipping out, because then I can say, okay, he's been in WWE for about a good, what? Uh, He debuted in 2012. Was it 2012? Ooh. I want to say 20. Yep, 2012. And he's leaving out. And if if he stayed in for another two or three years, then I can say, okay, he's been there for... A decade in no no he's been here for 12 years he can dip so i don't know if roman's gonna leave out i don't know if he's gonna retire soon or not but whenever he does hey he's already built up the accolade of a resume that said he's a hall of famer just off this run alone so we'll have to see whenever that time happens i don't think roman's going to but he has a kid and a whole lot of wrestlers are retiring like like earlier now because they know they got other gigs outside of wrestling that they can do. 
So, and Roman's one of them. He can go to Hollywood. He has the look, and he's cousin with The Rock. But, more importantly, he has the look. So, we'll see. After this, we have a tag team match between the teams of Jeff Hardy and Drew McIntyre going against Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. The team of Drew and Jeff win the match by pinfall when Drew McIntyre was able to hit a Claymore kick on Madcap Moss, then tagging Jeff Hardy and Jeff hits a Swanton Bomb on Moss for the win. We go backstage now where Caleb Braxton is having a conversation with Aaliyah, and Paul walks up to Caleb the same way that Caleb will walk up on Paul, and Aaliyah leaves those two. And Paul asks Caleb, did you get confirmation or denial about the rumors about Brock Lesnar? Paul is now playing with Kayla the same way that Kayla will play with Brock, not Brock, with Paul Heyman every time something will come around with Brock Lesnar's name. And Paul basically lets Kayla know that she has until the end of tonight to get either a confirmation or denial about the rumors about Brock Lesnar. Because if she doesn't, he's heard from the grapevine that Kayla Braxton will be fired. And he's saying that's what he's hoping he's pushing for. But Kayla has until the end of the night. Paul just gave her a nice little courtesy call. After this, we go to in-ring competition. It is Cesaro going against Ridge Holland on his SmackDown debut with Sheamus in his corner. Ridge Holland dominates the match. It ain't even not, it's not even a struggle for him. Cesaro isn't like putting up a fight. He tries, but Holland just keeps on outmaneuvering him and just, just outpowering uh, Cesaro. And Sheamus is on commentary, just yucking it up, loving it, until Cesaro wins the match by pinfall when Rich Holland was mad, was um talking crap to Cesaro on the floor, and he was about to try to like pick him up from some type of maneuver, but Cesaro, using his veteran knowledge, was able to roll up Rich Holland, and Rich couldn't even get out of this simple pin, and Cesaro wins off of that. Now we go backstage to Sonya Deville and Anna Pierce in their room. And they're staring at somebody, and when the camera pans over, it's Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre lets them know that he wants to be inside the Battle Royal later tonight. Adam tells Drew that they don't know who will be in the Battle Royal. But when they do, they'll let everybody know when, uh, who's inside the Battle Royal. Drew restates himself that he better be in the Battle Royal and leaves their room. After this, we have a Thanksgiving leftovers throwdown match between Rick Boogs with Shinsuke Nakamura in his corner, going against Angel Garza with Humberto in his corner. What this match was basically uh, WWE uh, anything goes match, but you don't see them use chairs, you don't see them use any kendo sticks or anything of that nature. They just had um, three tables surrounding the ring with like Thanksgiving food leftovers on it. Like one table had like cranberry sauce, corn, string beans, ham. Uh, another table had like turkey and like the fixing. And another table had like desserts, with, like pies and everything else. Either way, it was just an entertaining match just to let people just blow off some steam just for mindless, uh, just a mindless match, a filler, if you will. Anyway, Angel Garza wins the match by pinfall when Boogs was distracted by Humberto Carrillo playing Boogs' guitar on top of one of the tables. And Boogs is constantly looking at Humberto and he can't do nothing because he has to, because he knows he has to go finish off Angel. But Nakamura goes over to Humberto and leg sweeps Humberto, which sends Humberto crashing through the table that he's standing on. As Boogs turns around to now go finish off Angel. Angel hits Boogs with a super kick, then grabs him up for the wing clipper and pins him for the end of the match. After this, we go to Kayla talking to Adam Pierce backstage. She asks Adam Pierce about the rumors about Brock Lesnar and asks him, has he heard anything about uh, Brock Lesnar's situation changing? Adam tells Kayla point blank that he hasn't heard anything about Brock Lesnar's situation changing. Adam does mention that it wouldn't surprise him if Brock's situation did change since anything can happen in WWE, but Adam says, I would doubt that if his situation does change and personally, he doesn't want it to change. And he also tells Kayla that I have to leave now to find out who will be in the Battle Royale later tonight, and then he leaves Kayla right there standing with no confirmation or denial about the rumors about uh, Brock Lesnar. We go to in-ring now, and now we have Michael Cole standing in the ring 
about to interview Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte mentions how at Survivor Series, the referee was incompetent because Becky Lynch beat Charlotte Flair by putting her hands on the ropes. Charlotte mentions how deep down Becky knows that Charlotte is the better woman and she is the reason for Becky's success. Charlotte mentions how Becky might call herself Big Time Bex, but in reality, Charlotte is the most dominant woman in sports entertainment. Out comes Tony Storm to tell Charlotte, I told you so. She mentioned how she told Charlotte that she will lose the Survivor Series and that that obsession will cause her to drop her guard and now Tony is out here to basically capitalize on this. Tony mentions how Charlotte is going to be looking for her and instead of looking for Tony, Tony just comes right in front of Charlotte so they can handle it out one woman to woman. Charlotte tells Tony that she isn't checking for Tony and tells her that there is levels to this, and now Charlotte is above Tony's level, and Tony has to basically get to Charlotte's level. Charlotte tells Tony point blank, how do you want me to embarrass you tonight? Do you want me to beat you up right here, right now, or do you want me to, and then as soon as she's about to say another option, she tries to swing on Tony, but Tony ducks out of the way, and Charlotte goes flying out of the ring. Charlotte is now standing next to one of the tables from the uh, Thanksgiving leftover match that just happened between Rick Boogs and Angel Garza. The table's still standing there, and this table has like pies and everything standing there. And Charlotte is calling out Tony Storm out of the ring. Tony Storm, naively enough, goes out of the ring, and as soon as she does, Charlotte, bop, bop, I mean, just straight up just pies her in the face with one of the whipping pies. And I mean, you get Tony Storm with straight up just all this pie uh, cream just all over her face and her pants and her gear and it looks like she has been completely humiliated by Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair walks away and now you see Tony Storm getting up. Charlotte walks right back over and she calls for Tony Storm to come over and try to do something. If you are upset because you can see Tony just starting to get really upset in her face. Tony walks over and again another naive move Charlotte Flair grabs another pie and straight up just whacks Tony in the face again with another pie. So now you get Tony with more pie over her face. So Charlotte does embarrass Tony as she says she would. But you can tell that this rivalry between Charlotte Flair and Tony Storm is going to lead into something else. More than like next week where Tony's probably going to get a revenge on Charlotte. After this, a video plays from earlier in the night where Sasha confronted Sonya Deville and Sasha asked Sonya why didn't she pick her teammates at Survivor Series because she was the team captain of Survivor uh, at Survivor Series. Sasha mentions that if Naomi was on her team, they wouldn't have lost and asks Sonya Deville, what is her problem with Naomi anyway? Sonya has to let Sasha know that you were the captain of Survivor Series. You lost. Get over it. And she also tells Sasha that she doesn't have a problem with Naomi. Sasha calls Sonya a liar, and Sasha then starts reading down Naomi's accolades to uh, Sonya Deville and say that you must be jealous because Naomi's a two-time, former two-time SmackDown Women's Champion. She's actually a good wrestler while you were downgraded to a suit. Sonya says, okay, fine. Since you have such a friendship with Naomi, I'm going to set up a match. You and Naomi going against Natalya and Shayna Baszler, and that's what we're lead to right now. The tag team match of Sonya Deville, not Sonya Deville, but Natalia and Shayna Baszler going against Naomi and Sasha Banks with Sonya Deville at commentary watching the match. Naomi and Sasha win the match by pinfall when Naomi's on the ring apron and Natalia is close to her and Naomi kicks Natalia in the head, jumps over the top rope and floats over with a roll up on Natalia for the win. After this, we go backstage now, and now the list of the competitors who will be competing in the Battle Royal, it has been posted up, and you see the competitors standing right next to the list trying to see if there are names on the list, and Sheamus moves everybody out of the way, he checks the list, he sees his name, he smiles, and starts walking away until Drew McIntyre walks up, and he tries to move everybody out of the way to see if his name's on the list. Sheamus stops Drew and tells him, hey man. You didn't make the list. And Sheamus looks serious for a minute, and then he smirks and cackles as he walks away. And Drew looks at the list, and you can see that Drew notices that Sheamus was telling the truth. So you see uh, Drew pissed off right now. He just looks at Sheamus so upset as Sheamus is walking away. 
Now it's time for the main event. It's time for the Black Friday Invitational Battle Royale to see who will be going against Roman Reigns. However, before the match begins with all the participants in the ring, you see Drew McIntyre storm down to the ring with his sword in hand. As soon as he gets in the ring, he starts swinging that sword everywhere and every participant leaps out of that ring. They're not trying to even get nowhere close to that ring as long as uh, Drew McIntyre has that sword in his hand. You get Adam Pearce come running down and he starts yelling at Drew to get out of the ring. And Drew is saying that he's not getting out of the ring until he gets put in his battle royale. And this leads to a commercial break. And then when we come back for commercial, we see Drew McIntyre is out of the ring and all the participants are back in the ring. And Michael Cole tells the people at home that Drew McIntyre left the ring of his own recognizance and now it's time for the battle royale. Adam Pearce is out watching this match to see who's going to be the next person to go against Roman Reigns. And they also show us as the match is happening, you see the bloodline and Paul Heyman in their locker room watching the match to see who's next in line as well. We initially thought that Jeff Hardy won the Battle Royale because it was down to Jeff, Sheamus, and Happy Corbin, and you know what's about to happen. Sheamus gets thrown out by Happy Corbin after they made an alliance to take out Jeff Hardy. Sheamus is thrown out by Happy Corbin, and then Happy Corbin is then thrown out by Jeff Hardy. So Jeff Hardy thinks he's won the Battle Royale, so does everybody else, until Jeff is on the... um second ropes, and he's celebrating, and then um, Sami Zayn runs back into the ring and throws Jeff Hardy off the second ropes and over the top rope, because during the match, Sami Zayn never got tossed out of the, uh, tossed over the top rope. He was, he went through the middle rope, and everybody in the match forgot about Sami Zayn, and Sami Zayn just used that as his best way to weasel himself back into the ring, which was the smartest plan since earlier this week he got screwed out by Vince McMahon to go against Big E for the WWE Champion whenever he brought Austin Austin Theory in for the Egg Thief. And Vince cut him down, so Sammy now has an opportunity, now a legitimate claim to go against um, Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Once it was, once the ring, once the bell, Wrong, and Sami Zayn was pronounced the winner. Cameras panned over back to Roman Reigns and the Bloodline with Paul Heyman in their locker room. They're smiling and laughing at this because they believe that Sami's such a joke and such a walk in the park. You see Kayla Braxton get into the ring and she's about to interview Sami Zayn until she starts checking her earpiece. And now you see a big smile across Kayla's face. And she mentions to everybody in attendance that she has confirmation that the suspension of Brock Lesnar has been lifted and you start seeing people start cheering and you see Sami Zayn's face start getting concerned and Sami's thinking like everybody else about to think that Brock Lesnar is about to come down to this ring because that's usually how this happens but that doesn't happen. Kayla mentioned how Brock Lesnar's suspension has been lifted and how next week on SmackDown Brock Lesnar will be on SmackDown. And now you see the camera pans over to Adam Pierce, who has a shock look on his face. Like he can't believe that at Brock Lesnar's suspension has been lifted and that, oh my God, he's going to be here next week. And then the camera pans back over to backstage where the bloodline and Paul Heyman are now no longer smiling and laughing. You see the Usos and Roman's face get stonewall and they're just looking so serious like they can't believe this. And they turn their head over to Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman now has a worried face because Paul has been kind of mocking Brock Lesnar since he's lost to Roman at Crown Jewel. So now he knows he will have to literally see Brock Lesnar next week. And that's where we end SmackDown with the bloodline looking at Paul as Paul is looking worried about his fate for next week on SmackDown. And that has been your SmackDown highlights of the week. Let's get to AEW Rampage. AEW Rampage starts off with a tag team match of Adam Cole and Bobby Fish going against Orange Cassidy and Yuta. The team of Adam Cole and Bobby Fish win the match by pinfall when Bobby was able to hit an avalanche Falcon Arrow on Yuta for the win. It was a solid tag team match. No harm, no foul. I'm glad they're giving Adam Cole and Bobby Fish a win. So if and hopefully when 
Kyle O'Reilly does leave WWE. He goes over to AEW, and they can just have those three men come back together and go under a different name, not the Undisputed Era, because that's trademarked by WWE, but you can see the dominance uh, radiant off of those three men, and basically they pick up where they left off in NXT. Now they go to a backstage uh, segment. It's Tony Schiavone backstage with Tony Nese. And Tony Nese talks about how he was at ringside scouting Sammy Guevara's TNT Championship matches. And he mentions how guys like Ethan Page, Jay Lethal, and Bobby Fish, who have went against Sammy Guevara, would be champion right now if they would have studied and did their homework the same way that Tony Nese did. And Sammy comes and walks up to Tony and tells him that he hasn't done nothing since he's gotten here in AEW. Tony mentions to Sammy that there's an open challenge for that TNT championship, and he throws out the challenge for Sammy to wrestle next week, and Sammy accepts and agrees. They shake hands, and Sammy tries to leave, but Tony Nese pulls him back in and hits him with a forearm. Tony Nese then puts his knee on Sammy's ribs, which Sammy's ribs has been injured since uh all not all out but full gear and tony tells sammy the only reason you're champion is because guys like me weren't available at the time talking about how tony East was signed by wwe but it gets confirmed later in the night that next week on rampage it will be tony niece going against sammy guevara for the tnt championship now we get a video playing of fdr and they challenge the Lucha Brothers to a two out of three falls match for next week on Rampage, and it does get confirmed by the end of the night that on Rampage next week, it will be an AEW Tag Team Championship match, a two out of three falls between the Lucha Brothers and FTR. I can't wait to see this because FTR does great work in two out of three falls matches, and I would love to see exactly what kind of chemistry they still have with the Lucha Brothers, because again, their first match, I liked. Their Full Gears match was okay to me. People love that match. I find it okay, but we'll have to see what happens uh, next week when they go against each other and a two out of three falls match for the TNT, not TNT, but the AEW Tag Team Championships. After this, we go to in-ring competition, and it's the Black Friday deal match between Riho and Dr. Britt Baker. And Britt Baker in her corner has Rebel and Jamie Hayter in her corner. If... Riho wins the match. She gets a championship opportunity later down the line, which does happen. Riho wins the match by pinfall when Britt Baker was going for a spinning finish fisherman neckbreaker, but Riho was able to spin out of it and creatively roll up Britt Baker for the win, and this shocks both Rebel, Jamie Hayter, and Britt Baker, but it shouldn't shock Britt Baker because on commentary during the match, they announced that Britt Baker has won against Riho's two separate times, and Riho won both of those matches. So this continues on the streak of Riho beating Britt Baker, and Britt Baker have never beaten Riho, so now Riho is 3-0 against Britt. So that carries on into their championship match whenever they do decide to have that. Now it's time for the main event. Eddie Kingston going against Daniel Garcia with 2.0 in Daniel's corner. Eddie Kingston wins the match by pinfall when Eddie was able to hit Daniel Garcia with Saito suplex, then a spinning back fist for the win. Solid tag, solid match between Daniel and Eddie Kingston. Nothing for me to harbor about. It was just a solid match to end Rampage. However, after the match, 2.0 does jump Eddie Kingston, and they continue to jump him until Chris Jericho leaves com the commentary table runs down to the ring, and he attacks one of the members of 2.0, and the other member and Daniel leave out of the ring. And Chris Jericho throws out, uh, out that member of 2.0. And now you have 2.0 collectively and Daniel Garcia walking up the ramp as Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho's in the ring. I'm telling you, they're going to talk about this on Dynamite. And this is going to lead to 2.0 and Daniel Garcia getting bigger roles in AEW being the younger guys. And I don't know. I know Daniel Garcia is a great technical wrestler. 2.0 needs to be featured a lot more and the tag team thing, and I'm glad they're doing this on Rampage with 2.0 to build up their credibility with Daniel Garcia. I'm glad they're doing this. I just want to see 2.0 really like wrestle as a tag team more on Rampage or Dynamite whenever they can, and I can't wait for the team of 2.0 to go against Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, because you know that's where they're leading to. But anyway, that was your AEW Rampage highlights of the week. 
And that has now been your wrestling highlights of the week. I want to thank you for listening. And let me just give you guys my social media uh, links to follow me at to get you guys out of here on Twitter. My social media is at my two podcasts, Instagram, my two cents podcast, G2, uh, my email for you to email me about anything you wanted to email me about. Cause remember I am here for you in confidence, whatever you want to email me about. My email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. I want to thank Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Amazon Music, and Audible for still allowing me to be on your uh, platforms. And that's also where you can find past episodes and future episodes of this podcast, including my Sunday episode tomorrow, where you'll be listening to me talk about current events and also just give you a little recap of uh, my Thanksgiving uh, week. Um, And with that, that has been everything. I bid you adieu. This is a goodbye. This is until you hear this sweet sounding voice. I hope you tune in tomorrow. If not, I'll see you next week on my Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And with that, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I. I am him. I love you all. And Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.